What do I always say? Anyone can cook. If I really wanted to learn to cook, I could just cook my way through Julia Child's cookbook. You're a cook. You're a chef. This is what you've been cooking for years, and it works. It's Foodie Friday with Neil Saavedra on The Bill Handel Show. KFI Handel here. It is a Friday uh, news that we're covering today. The G7 Summit is going on right now, and uh, the uh, president uh, is not very popular. I don't know whether uh, the other six leaders hate him more than he hates them. Uh, And also, pardon Palooza. I've uh, asked John Thomas, who uh, is very connected to the Trump administration, if the president will, in fact, pardon me. Okay. Neil Saavedra, uh, the Foodie Friday man. And uh, Neil's show is 2 to 5 every Saturday. Yes, sir. And uh, the various social media, at Fork Reporter, and, of course, uh, uh, here on KFI, KFIAMSecurity.com, keyword food report. Fork Report. Fork Report, I knew that. Okay. Hey, let's just move on. Uh, Obviously, the big story uh, that broke this morning, Anthony Bourdain found dead in his hotel room in uh, Strasbourg, France, broke here about 4.30. It was afternoon already in uh, France, he was uh, shooting uh, an episode of uh, his travel series, Parts Unknown, 61 years old, and uh, he uh, committed suicide, is the report we're getting. Uh, Neil, I, I want to ask about uh, his influence, because obviously he was one of the world's uh, most well-known chefs, but he wasn't known as a chef, and he was a world-class chef in his own right, wasn't he? Yeah, here's the thing that's interesting. He, he really made a splash in 1999 when he wrote a New Yorker article called uh, entitled Don't Eat Before You Read Before Reading This. That became his best-selling book in 2000, Kitchen Confidential Adventures in the Culinary Underbelly, which was a great yeah. book. And the the, uh, the kind of raw brash honesty became a note that was not heard. I mean everything in uh, from the back of the house and to all the things that take place in a restaurant were kind of, you know, the curtain was pulled back. And he became known for that. Now, I've never met the man and I've never interviewed him, which is strange because um, we share a lot of friends. There's a lot of acquaintances of his that I know very well. But because of the nature of my show is to focus uh, not only on those types of folks, but to focus on your everyday chef, the people that are here in Southern California, that just because you have a big name or are super important doesn't mean that it's necessarily something I focus on during the program. Uh, so I've never had the honor of meeting him. And I've even on the program have talked about his harshness at times and uh, what the benefit of that is, or is it a benefit? And he's, but he's renowned. I mean, people love him. Chefs love him because of that honesty. And they felt like some, they gave, he gave them a voice uh, to complain about conditions of the kitchen, uh, the conditions of the overall uh, restaurant industry and, and and for that they loved him, loved loved now, loved him. Was he regarded among chefs uh, as a cook, as Absolutely. a chef, as a chef himself, yeah, and somebody who had an outstanding palate, somebody who understood food. He not only understood food, but understood the story of food and understood the culture of food. And it, you will hear over and over again that he was a storyteller, and that's because he understood. Uh, the hearts and the minds of the person cooking the food 
and the hearts and the minds of the culture and the philosophy behind it. So everything was not only just the flavors there, but why the flavors were there. Um, he didn't he didn't seem to like pretense, um, yet he absolutely uh, bowed to those that deserved it and those that were had uh, come before him that did amazing jobs and chefs. Uh, that uh, humbled him at times, you could see on his program. And they don't always necessarily need to be someone famous. It could be an old woman in a small town that nobody knew about or a little village somewhere uh, in tiny parts of the world. But if they had that love and that dedication to food, he respected it and he spoke about it. What was his influence on uh, the whole food world? Oh, it was massive and it will continue to be. Uh, here, he was referred to as the, you know, the original Elvis of bad boy chefs. There was something about his edge that made uh, people like honesty. Now, I think sometimes honesty border uh, people confuse cruelty or just meanness. Hell, you've made a living out of it uh, for honesty. But uh, I think that he had he had this kind of people knew that if he said he liked you or he liked your food, it was came from an honest place. And I think that's powerful. And again, going back to the fact that he was a voice to the voiceless. There was a lot, there's a lot of people. Everyone thinks these chefs are celebrity chefs. Many, many, many chefs I meet are incredibly humble, incredibly shy. You don't think about that. You think they're egomaniacs. No, they don't want to be out. They just want to speak through their food. And here this guy comes and is this bridge between uh, the media and them, and I think they really appreciated that. I think they loved having somebody that spoke for them and defended them and stood up for them, but also called them on their crap as well. Is it fair to say uh, that chefs are, I won't say the word fungible, interchangeable, but there are a lot of chefs out there, uh, even though when you have the Thomas Kellers and the Wolfgang Pucks and the Juan Andres and, and those kinds of chefs, uh, they're not uh, in a class all by themselves that nobody else in the world is well think about it and this anthony way. bourdain is that absolutely he stands out and that's important because think about this all these bands let's say that we grew up with right and you hear them and then there's certain members of the bands in some bands that are fungible you could tr- trade out the drummer with someone trade out the bass player with someone we've heard that before but oftentimes the guitarist, the lead guitarist, the singer, you can't change those because they their impression is so deep on the music, right? Well, similarly, there are chefs that just cook. And they 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 have good technique and the food comes out the uh nice and you eat it. Right. And then there's some that imprint themselves emotionally, intellectually, creatively so deeply into the food that you can't separate them. And that's okay. that's what makes somebody so powerful. Yeah, as you know, uh on uh, the end of the month, uh, bucket list time, I'm taking my daughter, Pam, who's a real foodie, up to the French Laundry. Unless you get sick and, and have to have a dear friend of 20 <laughs> years take her, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to come back uh, with Neil and uh, talk about why you should or should not eat charcoal. Right right there. What a tease. Yeah. Briquettes. Yeah. How, you, how people eat briquettes and it's so good for you. Uh, we'll be back. KFI AM 640 and... KFI Handle here on a uh, Friday morning. Some of the top stories we're covering. Of course, the uh, suicide of Anthony Bourdain. Uh, Neil Savedra is with us. We just did an entire segment on his influence. And that's worth, uh, uh, that is certainly worth uh, listening to on the podcast. And also the G7 is going on right now. The summit where 
Uh, Trump is telling uh, the other leaders of uh, the industrialized world to go pound sand. Also, coming up on Saturday, June 16th, from 9 to 2 o'clock is Law Day 2018 at the Bowers Museum in Santa Ana. Over 100 legal experts from HandleOnTheLaw.com will be there. Free legal advice in virtually every field of law. Talk to one, talk to 10 lawyers. I'll be broadcasting Handle on the Law live from 9 to 11 o'clock. And there'll be free seminars, prizes throughout the day. Log on to KFIAM640.com. The keyword is Law Day. Sponsored by Cunning Dental Looser Missing Teeth. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam and CT scan. Call 888-640-SMILE. Law Day, Saturday, June 16th at the Bowers Museum in Santa Ana. All right, Neil, let's finish uh, Foodie Friday. And uh, I want to have you uh, talk about this story where uh, people are going to the store, buying a bag of briquettes, charcoal briquettes, grinding them up and eating them as appetizers. Uh, Not exactly true. Close. You know what's weird (laughs) is what you just described could be a fad. Like, that's not even absurd. Even though you are being absurd, that's not that absurd when you've got people doing things with, like, Tide pods and yeah, stuff. Well, this, but but this is po- different. This is not that bad. No, this is different. So uh, essentially what's happening right now is New York went black and the Department of Health said that they have to go back. Okay, explain so that, please. This is what happened. You have uh, a fad with activated charcoal, which is an ingredient that can get a very super black, dense, uh, deep, dark, uh, matte black into ice creams, into uh, pastries, into drinks. They put it in lemonade, into uh, pizza crust, and it makes it black. And they, Why wouldn't they use uh, squid ink, for example? Well, squid ink, although fairly neutral, does have uh, flavor so, to it. Some, a very, very light kind of briny okay. flavor. And it doesn't get as black okay. as it does in the, in the concentrate that this does. Now, there's also... Uh, a long line of belief that activated charcoal is healthy for you. Now, activated charcoal becomes under uh, certain conditions becomes like a sponge. And what ends up happening is it does absorb toxins. It's used for poison control, right? Uh, they, they have you swallow these pills and the, and the activated charcoal actually absorbs the poisonous yeah. uh, things. The problem with it is it doesn't know the difference between good things and bad things. So if you're consuming large amounts of activated charcoal, uh, it's such a good, uh, it has such a good absorption, it can absorb nutrients as well, calcium, potassium, other vitamins. Also, if you are on, uh, if, if you're on birth control and you, and you take this after birth control, it can uh, eliminate what birth control is doing it'll it'll keep it from being also it's it's all isn't it used for also odor odor control yeah oh yeah it's it's, so if you take if you ingest uh charcoal your farts smell fine i you know what i'm i have often wondered why you weren't a scientist instead of a talk show tell me that's not true i what i don't know and i don't want to know i'm willing to bet there's actually some all i know for sure knowing you for as long as i have is you've never ingested <laughs> this charcoal, apparently. <laughs> it's all I'm saying. Um, so the concern is, and you've got uh, some confusion as to this detoxifier is what they call it, um, whether it's actually bad for you or not, or whether it's good for you. 
So some people claim that it's good for you because it's eliminating toxins. The concern of uh, many in the medical field is that it absorbs all kinds of things, including the things that I've stated, uh, dealing with calcium, potassium, vitamins, um, things found in milk, uh, different types of nutrients, but also that it, it can mess with your prescriptions and you, it'll throw right. off your prescriptions. So they so, have but banned that's if it. you eat a lot. So, so they've banned all of it in New York City, right? They're, they're banning it as a food additive at okay. this point because essentially there's just not enough known about it. I don't think that uh, any everything I've read, it's not unsafe for you in small amounts, but to have somebody consume this, especially if they're on medication, isn't uh, isn't smart. All right, Neil, uh, Saturday, that's tomorrow from 2 Indeed. to 5 o'clock with the Fork Report. Yes, sir. You got it. All right. Thanks, uh, buddy.